Welcome, everybody. Welcome to my world. I'm yours, Kevin Rutherford. It is the Power Hour, just an hour today, and I am going to let you know we've got the team here from Pittsburgh Power, as usual. I think we'll be talking to Bruce and Pete and Ethan today, and we are only going to be able to do an hour today. We are going to have to quit right at noon. Uh, in fact, right at noon, i got to get out and do a couple things on the coach. can't believe I have to repair another fluid leak. Uh, fuel leak this time, <laughs> same hose as uh, the very first trip I ever took this coach on. I had a fuel leak and had to replace a fuel hose, and it's back again. Same thing, the bracket. Uh, and a hanger ends up wearing through the hose. So I'm going to put a MacGyver fix on it, get over to Pittsburgh Power, and I think we're going to redesign this piece of hose so it doesn't do it again. Uh, so i got to get ready and get out of here and head that way. So we do have an hour. We have no breaks. So this should uh, we should be able to get quite a few calls in. So I'll let you know if you're listening right now. If you want to join us, all you do is pick up the phone and dial 855-950-3835, and we will get to your calls here pretty quickly. I have a very short open. The format now on this daily call-in show is maybe a five-minute open if there's a, uh, a good topic, and there is today, and then we go straight to calls. We don't take breaks, so line up the calls. Uh, let's get them going. Do not call this number just to listen. Call with questions, though, 855-950-3835. We've got Bruce and Pete and Ethan in the house, and I'm going to get to them in a couple minutes. We're not going to take a lot of time, and then we're going to go right to calls if we have them. If we don't have calls, we'll take as much time as we want. So here's my uh, quick update, and uh, like I said, it, it's going to need to be pretty important if I'm going to spend any time on the open on it, but this is. So I just got my weekly review of rates and lanes from Noel Perry. And I'm just going to read you his short synopsis because this is kind of what we've been waiting for for quite some time now. My God, almost three years it seems like we started feeling like we were at the top and we were wondering when it was going to shift. I think we're starting to see the shift. And here's his, um, here's his take on what's going on. The new normal has apparently begun its move back towards the old normal, MDI. It's a really important number we watch in trucking, and for the last three years, we just kept saying week after week after week, MDI is up again. And we couldn't believe it. It's a wonderful thing. When MDI is up, it's good for us. If MDI is down, it's good for the shippers. The shippers actually have more negotiation power, and rates will go down. When MDI goes up, rates will follow. When MDI, MDI stands for Market Demand Index. And what it does is it compares the total loads available in the country to the total trucks available in the country and gives us an overall picture of demand and supply both. And 
if it goes up, rates will follow within the next couple of weeks. If it goes down, rates will start to follow it down as well. So here we go. The new normal has apparently begun its move back towards the old normal. MDI is down about 30% since New Year and is now well below 2021. I want to read that again. Pay attention. MDI is down about 30% since New Year's. That's big. We're below 2021, confirming the first reductions since week 19 of 2020. Early in 2020, well, 19 weeks in, that was the last time we've had it, a reduction like this. And it doesn't look like this one's probably going to turn around. Now, remember, the reason it happened in 2020 is we shut everything down. Any time we look at statistics from the year of 2020, it's the weirdest year in the history of the world because of COVID, shutdowns, lockdowns, all the other stuff. Um, rates are about equal to 2021, but are down over 20 cents since January 1st. And here's another important point, trending downward at a time when rates are normally rising. Normally, this time of year, we're looking at rising rates. We have for the last decade. This is one of the first times we've seen rates go down this time of year, and they're going down pretty drastically, pretty quickly. And we have to remember something else. It's another factor here. Fuel prices have been surging, which should also be raising rates, but it doesn't seem to be enough to offset whatever is causing the rates to drop so fast. And the only thing that causes rates to climb or drop is really supply and demand. So I doubt that we've added a lot more trucks and drivers to the industry, so it can't be going down because we're adding to supply. It has to be going down because demand is diminishing. So this might be the beginning of that downturn we've been talking about. So uh, I'll keep you informed and let you know. Let's, uh, let's go to the board and it looks like Ethan is up first today. Ethan, welcome back. As always, Kevin, good to be here. So since we talked last week, you've spent about 100 hours studying the ECM on a C13 A-cert for me, haven't you? Oh, we got some good stuff for you. Oh, good. That sounds exciting. Yep, yep. We can definitely uh, make another adjustment because I think the last one we did was, what, four or five years ago? Yeah, and it was out in the parking lot at the CMC. Yeah, we can definitely. We've, we've learned a lot, and we can do a lot better. Man, I'm excited. I'm excited. That's going to be fun. All right. So uh, real quick, we're not going to spend a lot of time on these opens because right now till we get things up and running and I get well, I'm heading to, to your shop here today or tomorrow at the latest. Um, so we're going to get this show back to two hours. And the beauty of two hours is it's two hours with no commercials. That probably adds darn close to a half hour of time we can talk and answer questions. So that's kind of cool. 
Yeah, I, actually, that's going to be the, the best part of it all, I think. Um, you know, because you're counting at least 15 minutes of commercials an hour. Yeah. Yep. That's pretty. It was, you know, most of our breaks on Sirius were like three, three and a half minutes. I think one was four or two or four, and we had four of them. So somewhere between like 12 and 15 minutes or so every hour. The other problem with it, it's not just so much that you lose the time, but especially with stuff like yours, we do a lot of technical stuff, and you just start to get into an explanation and you got to take a break. It interrupts the flow of, of thoughts where, you know, if we can just stay at a call or a topic till we finish it without a break, I think it works a lot better. Yeah, and it always seems to fall into that, what we call it the bad timing award. You know what I mean? You, like you there said, you, you just get into it, and all of a sudden, then we got to move on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so far, you know, we've been doing this show almost since I went off the air. We went right back on the air and started testing this. And the, my favorite part of all of it so far is not having breaks. Yesterday, we went an hour and a half. I can go three hours and not take a break. I do it all the time when I do seminars, so... No reason I couldn't do it here. Um, so that's, that's been the best part so far. And you can tell. The show's different. We spend a little more time with each caller. We dig a little bit deeper. And I think rather than serious, which is a you know typical talk show, you tend to touch the surface of a lot of the same things over and over and over and over and over, but you never get any deeper. Whereas now I'm going to take more time on calls. You know, if we have a quick answer, we give it to them, we move on. But when we have that call that, you know, if we talked about this a little more, if we spent a little more time on it, we don't have to worry about a break, um, I think everybody's going to learn more. So I'm really excited about that part of it. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm completely with you on that one. Uh, let me make a quick announcement. I should have done this this morning, but we're still learning too. Uh, I've been telling everybody, call, 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 but I forgot to tell them. Only Power Hour calls. Power Hour is a segment. We only take Power Hour calls. We're getting flooded with all kinds of other calls. So as of right now, phone lines are wide open. So if you have a maintenance-related call, Power Hour, fuel mileage, breakdowns, emissions, electronics, anything related to turning a wrench or – you don't turn many wrenches, do you, Ethan? Some. Unless it's electrical involved, but yeah, some, but not too many. Um, typically, the laptop is my tool of choice and um, yeah. a multimeter. Um, you know, a few different tools. Yeah, so all of those calls that involves a multimeter, a laptop, getting into an ECM, those are all good calls for today. So line them up. All right, so I'm excited. I, I've got some... Uh, some maintenance issues that could use done on the coach too. Can you guys squeeze me in or hand me some tools and I'll do them? Well, we've got plenty of tools here, so you'll have to talk to Pete. I don't touch yeah. the scheduling thing. <laughs> that got it. Um, is all Pete, Bruce, and the other guys. Pete's up next, so uh, I'm going to bring him on and we'll uh, we'll find out about that. All right, so we're going to go to Pete right now. Pete, welcome. Oh, hold on. Why did he not unmute? There we go. Pete, welcome. Hi, Kevin. How are you doing today? Doing good. Excited about heading your way, and uh, you guys are probably going to have to put up with me till we all leave to go to Louisville. Great. I'm going to enjoy I that. Gonna be, I think I'm going to be living in your parking lot the whole time, and I'm looking forward to it. Oh, I hear you cook, so maybe we can have you cook us lunch or something. Oh, you ain't we'll Work on your coach for lunch. How's that sound? 
Yeah. Hey, I have an Fair idea. Deal? Now that now that you now that I think about that, do you know anybody with a, a pellet smoker? Uh, I don't. I don't know if the guys in the shop might have one. Yeah, somebody I only got an electric. If somebody has a pellet smoker that they could set up in the parking lot, hell, I'll cook all the time. Yeah, we'll figure something out. Yeah. That'd be great. Yeah, that's like my number one cooking device. I have a pellet smoker that I use all year. I mean, we're mild enough that, hell, there are times, though, even if it's covered in snow, I'll go out and brush the snow off of it and use it anyway. I probably use my pellet smoker on average about twice a week all year long. So I have a just a gas grill that I use a lot, but in the winter, what I like about it is uh, if I'm cooking something like ribs or pork roast, I can get the heat down low enough in the winter. In the summer, it's tough to manage right. the heat. It wants to keep climbing on you. If you want to hover at that two, two and a quarter range, um, I, I, the winter is the ideal time. You turn everything right. down real low, and occasionally you look at it like, i got to bump it up a hair and, and bring it back up and drop it down, but I can keep the heat low enough that you can put a nice uh, pork roast in there and, and it cooks well. Where in the summer it wants low to get too hot and you're lifting the lid and you know a lot yeah. more fooling around than I care to do. Yeah, so now what you just described is exactly why they somebody built the first pellet smoker. It's just like a grill, same kind of form factor, looks just like a grill. You open it up, the grates are all the same. You have a big hopper on the side of it that you put in wood pellets and you use cherry, alder, mesquite, you can get every flavor you want. And then you set a temperature and it holds that temperature precise. And I can go down on mine to about 165. And I will actually use 185 for ribs. I'll smoke my ribs for like three hours at 185. Then I'll wrap them in butcher paper um, and crank it up to like 350 for an hour, and they are just amazing. Yeah, like good, good ribs are hard to find in PA. Oh uh, well, I promise you, you get me a pellet smoker, I'll get you some good ribs. Ethan, get on eBay and order one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ethan's go. pretty good. He smokes stuff in his electric smoker. He brings in. He makes really good cowboy oh, yeah. bacon. He, yeah. he does a good job. He's a nice marinade for it. Um, he's he does really well with his stuff. He's he's got it down pat. Excellent. Yeah, I got right. one of my little hobbies. <laughs> there you go. All right. So Pete, I'm heading your way. I know Ethan's ready. I've got a couple little maintenance issues. Nothing big. Can you squeeze me in or give me some tools? Oh, absolutely. We will get you in. Okay. We got to replace a fuel line. It's really simple. The line is about four feet long. It actually looks like, God, it almost looks like radiator hose. It's so big, like car radiator hose. It's that big, like a rubber kind of woven fabric kind of line. It's about four feet long. It's just a clamp on either end. You can get to either end really easy. But right in the middle, there's a hanger bracket with the rubber lined and all that. But this is the second time that bracket has worn through the fuel line. The last time it happened was on the first trip I ever took the coach out. Didn't even get out of Oregon, and I was blowing fuel all over the road. I lost like 50 gallons before we figured it out. We had to do it on the side of the road, and we just had somebody build the same line. We stuck it up there, used the same bracket, and now it's worn through again. It's at the point where it's just 
seeping when the engine's running right now. It's about the only time it's doing it. So I'm gonna MacGyver it. I got a bunch of Phil Swift products. I'm gonna I'm gonna what what's he call that stuff? Flex seal. I'm gonna flex seal tape it and then I'm gonna flex seal putty it and then I'm gonna wrap it in gorilla glue to make sure it doesn't blow out on the way to Pittsburgh and we'll figure out some better way to fix it. Yeah, we should come up with some uh I, I like using this Stratoflex for the air equip line. That always works well for fuel lines. Pretty sturdy. This, you know that you know how the engines weigh in the back, and this actually, like I said, it's about four feet, and it actually kind of just hangs almost in like an arc with just that one bracket holding it up. And this is the second time it's just worn through. Yeah. Yeah, and fuel can make a mess. I mean, especially when it's hot. If you're going down a road, that spreads everywhere. Well, you know how we. Out. You know how we found the first one? So here's the other thing. I'm brand new to the coach. I've never even driven it before. I don't know how fast the fuel gauge goes down. But at one point, we're on the highway. Aaron was with me on that trip, I think, and Lisa both. And we're going down the highway, and we're talking. So you're not really paying attention as much as you normally would. But I happen to look down, and I'm like, wow, that fuel gauge moves pretty damn fast. Like, I'm gonna. This thing's gonna cost me a fortune. What am I getting? Three miles to the gallon? So I'm thinking that's odd. But I have nothing to compare it to because I've never driven it before. So we're just going down the road, and I'm doing like 10 miles an hour under the speed limit because that's usually how I drive. And a trooper goes by the other direction, immediately whips around, gets right behind me, and hits the lights. And I'm like, well, that's weird. So he pulled me over. And he walks up to my window on the left side, and he says, hey, you're blowing fuel all over the road. And it dawned on me. I looked at him, and I said, how do you know? You were coming the other way. And he said, I know. He said, we have trucks calling us saying when they pass this RV, they're getting fuel on their windshields. That's a lot of fuel. Yeah. Yeah. So – We'll, uh, I, I had a fuel fuel leak in our Dodge on my way to Walcott, I think, the one year. And I know even though there, there's a gauge on there, I know how many miles I can go before fuel up. And I always like to push it. I just don't feel like stopping. Yeah. And I'm like, God, oh, there's a gas station. I better get gas. And as I pull in, it starts running real rough. Like what? The, and it installs on me. I'm like, what the hell is going on? So I shut the truck off, jump outside. The whole side of the truck's covered in fuel. So a small rubber line coming off the um, the pump was leaking, and fortunately, I was I filled it up, got it to the hotel, and then the next morning I uh, found a piece of hose and, and got it fixed, which is nice to always have tools with you. I don't go anywhere without any tools. Cause, again, it would cost a fortune at a shop. They didn't have because it's an old Dodge. They didn't have the right parts, but they had hose that was. You know, good for it's actually the hose I used because it was close enough in size was for a PVC fitting on a car. Oh yeah, which can handle oil. Right. Um, So I put that on there, and that I made it. Now that was Dallas, I think I was going to. So maybe back and forth, and then when I got home, I got the right part for it. Yeah, yeah. You know, back the whole time I was trucking, carried all kinds of tools. You remember when there was time we might even carry stuff like alternators. I mean, mm-hmm. if if you had a little space, you'd throw Injector, one in. Injector, a fuel pump. Yeah, so you kind of figure out what you could do on the side of the road and what you had tools for. And, you know, if I could do it, I'll carry the part. 
And honestly, I have to say, in all the miles I drove a truck, I almost never used them, which is a good thing. I mean, I can think of a couple times here and there that it really saved me, but it was nice to know I had it. But I got to tell you in this damn coach, my God, if I wouldn't carry tools and, and parts and hoses and as much, you know, fluids and everything else as I can, and the good news, I have a lot of room to carry it. Um, it has saved me multiple times. Honestly, this is the fifth time I've had to deal with some sort of a fluid leak, coolant and fuel. Fifth time since I've had this thing. A lot of places for leaks on a coach. I guess that's what it is. So um, I can't even imagine how much money I've saved because I've only had to take one of them to a shop to get it fixed, and that was just the last one. And it was at the top of the engine, and they had to tear the whole bedroom apart to get to it. In our trailer that I take when I do the shows, and it's that's what's nice about having a trailer. I have extra fuel, antifreeze, oil, washer solvent. Yeah my tools, um, just miscellaneous stuff um, that you never know gets you out of a jam. Stuff stuff that you can MacGyver if you have to. Mm-hmm. For yeah. sure. Nice I, having that. And honestly, as goofy as they are, I have to say that I carry around a lot of those Flex Seal products, mostly because I'm always dealing with fluid leaks, and I can usually MacGyver a couple of those enough to stop or really slow down almost any leak. It's worth it right there having it. Yeah. And I know it's uh you know, it's a really, really temporary fix, but like this one. I could either work on this fuel line in the driveway myself right now and the weather sucks and I don't really feel like it and the last time I did it I got covered in fuel and or there's a guy down the road I know because all my family lives here who could probably get me in, in a day or two and do it. Um or I'm pretty sure I can MacGyver it. I'm only an hour and 45 minutes away from you. I'm pretty sure I can keep it going until I get to you, and then we can fix it right. Yes, and that that is worth it in itself, being able to get yep. somewhere to get it done. Yep. So, all right, uh, I'm not going to ask you if you have anything today because uh, we're going to get to some calls here. Let me remind everybody again, we've got a lot of listeners right now, but it is the Power Hour, and we've got lines open we're only going till noon today, so if you want to get in, you better get in quick. I'm sure Bruce and Pete and Ethan and I could talk till noon, so it's not a problem. But if you've got a question, here's the number, 855-950-3835. And now it's time to talk to Bruce. Bruce, welcome back. Well, thank you, Kevin. And I want to talk about gearing on new X-15s. I had a call this morning. Uh, people were in Kansas, and they run Kansas and Nebraska, and they have new 389s, and they're putting 355 gears in and trying to run it at 15 and 1600 RPM, and they're not getting any fuel mileage. And I said, why would you run an engine that has peak torque at 950 and 1,000, and you should be at 1,200 and 1,300 RPM. Why are you trying to re run it higher than where the ECM wants you to be, and it's cutting fuel back? And it's like they don't have a clue. And I said, you know, this is not a 1995 with a 3406E-CAT. That was the gear we used then. I said, you've got to come up to date, and the RPMs are lower, and you've got to change your gearing. 
And they'll, I said, you'll never get fuel mileage or performance out of this engine because you're beyond where the ECM is going to allow you to run it. So somebody is at these dealerships isn't keeping up with today's engines. Yep, I That's, think there's a lot of that going on. Right. And I have one more little thing. I have uh, here in Kremlin, Colorado, I have an ultra-classic Harley-Davidson. I need hauled to Saxonburg, Pennsylvania sometime, uh, hopefully this month. And I would like one of our clients that hauls motorcycles to give me a call at the shop. Well, I wish I, you know, would have known uh, a while back. I would have just grabbed my trailer and I would have swung through there because I, I came right through there anyway. Um, I came through Denver. I would have swung by and picked it up for you because I'm going to Saxonburg. Yeah, I never thought about that. Okay, no. that's what I have. And uh, so we also need to let people know how they don't have questions, how they listen, because I've been passing on this 855 number. And, you know, 855 happens to be the big cam, 855 cubic inch. Well, hold but on. I've been passing that number hold on, on so we may have don't. Don't pass that number out to listen. That's only to call with questions. Right. We only have we only have ten phone lines on that, and it's just so the the only way to listen right now is the stream. So just send them to the website letstruck.com, either on their phone, a laptop, whatever, and they listen there. The number is only to call with questions, and and we're we're dealing with the same thing right now because we used to let people sit on that line and listen, and we really can't. And, and I'll tell you why. Uh, if if we, we did it once, if we let everybody sit in there and listen, I opened up 225 phone lines. If we did that five days a week, like we're going to do an hour or two a day, it was going to cost us about $6,000 in phone charges a month. Wow, okay. Yeah. So, All right, and I'll put another note up. On our uh, on my Facebook, tell people that's only for questions. Yeah. So what happens now is if they call and they tell my screener they just want to sit and listen, we have to cut them off and tell them they got to go to the website and listen. So and we're we're really okay. not trying too hard to spread the word yet. You know, if you want to do it and the other listeners want to say, hey, here's where Kevin is, but we're only telling our two websites, the two paid websites right now. And the reason is we know that our technology is going to keep changing because we're writing our own app, and when it does, a lot of the ways you listen is all going to change. So we don't want to try to make everybody go through that. You know, our tribe, we explain to them, mm -hmm. you know, be patient with us. We're going to be testing things. We're going to be changing things. You guys are helping us figure it all out. So we, we right now we've got, uh, like, I don't know, maybe like 250 listeners on here, 237 right now, uh, which is a good number. We still get calls. Even if we don't get calls, you know, I can talk. We can all talk about stuff. And, and right now we're still testing stuff, so. Uh, but it's going good. We're uh, I, I, we are going to love this format with no breaks because it's it, it's easier to stay in the flow. You can stay with a problem till you solve it, and we're not always saying, "Oh, hold on, let me put you on hold. We'll go to a break. We'll be back, and then we come back and we start on something else." And so so far, it's been my favorite part of this new setup is no breaks. Okay. 
No breaks, right. no commercials. Yeah. So um, let's uh, let's grab a call real quick. We're going to go to Kansas City and talk to Ray. Ray, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. How you doing? Uh, how's Pittsburgh Power Guys doing? I'm good. good. We're good. Uh, I talked to uh, Eric, uh, and he looked up my oil sample. I had a little lead... Uh, uh, climbing a little bit, I got it's. I think it's up to 30. It went from like 14 to 30 of the last couple samples, and then uh, the potassium went up. It's gone up in the past and went away. Not terrible, but he's thinking that you know maybe maybe I, it, the, this engine is a ISX, a 2007 ISX uh, Cummins, and uh, it's a million uh, 200, uh, basically 270 thousand. And uh, so I might might have a head issue, and uh, my my front structure of the engine leaks a little bit. It's not leaking to the ground, and uh, even with that many miles, I'm I'm still this oil change. I'm at almost nine thousand miles, and I'm not I'm a quarter down on the stick. I normally go twenty thousand miles before I even get down to add. So I don't think it's ready for a cylinder kit, but I may have to do the head. And I was wondering since. When, when when you guys do pull ahead, will that will that fix my front structure leak as well? No. So the front structure has to come off to fix that in most cases. So generally the leak, so the front structure is bolted to the block. They have a gasket that's a metal plate with really a thin bead of gasket material there. And because your engine is held by the the front structure and there's movement there, what we find is that housing starts to erode where the gasket area is. So you got to replace the housing as well as the gasket in most cases. Now, fortunately, that piece isn't terribly expensive. Um, I mean, it looks like it'd be expensive. It's a big piece. It's pretty heavy, uh, but it's fairly affordable. And uh, you know, once we do that, then that's going to seal up that leak. But you got to drop the pan, pull the rad, pull the front cover off um, to do that. Uh, having the head off is not going to help that problem any. So if I if I do do the – that's what I was wondering. Is, 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 do you, so you don't have to remove that to do a head uh, gasket and all that? Correct. Correct. Okay. Now, with but, your coolant you're getting in the engine – Generally, a head gasket doesn't cause that. Um, you know, that could be something like injector tubes. I mean, it might need a cylinder head, but we'd want to look into it first before we just pull the head off. Right, right. That's, and Eric did say that. And uh, I'm thinking about keeping this, so I'm probably just going to have to bite the bullet and uh, put the put the EGR back on. Uh, he gave me a, a rough price, and that would be much cheaper than the newer engines with all the other uh, emissions. This engine has been very good to me, so I figure if I do just keep it, put that back on and run the catalyst, and then, um, you know, whatever work I have done on I can have it warrantied, correct? Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we're uh, a Cummins dealer, so if we would do the work here and put the EGR back on, you would have the warranty anywhere in the country. Right, well, yeah, that's great, but I, I can't even have an overhead done because I don't trust anybody. I, I trust mm-hmm. you guys, but 
I mean, you know, when you go to people, I, hell, I went to Cummins a couple of years ago, and and I had to put an oil pump in, and I said I want the overhead ran, and they said, well, we would rather not do that. And that's a Cummins place in <laughs> Kansas City. I'm like, never mind, don't touch it. Why didn't they want to do it? They're, they're not confident. Why would they say that? The top, the guy who runs the shop said, well, with our guys, you know, if you're not getting bad fuel mileage, I'd rather not touch it. Uh, it's just, I don't trust anybody to do There's nobody in Kansas City I trust that, to do it. That is one of the stupidest statements ever for a shop manager to make because he should realize that most trucks that are going to roll into a shop, the driver has almost no idea what the fuel economy should be or if it changed or because 90% of the trucks on the road aren't even tracking it. So to say, I know, well, you're not getting bad fuel mileage. Well, what does that mean? What's bad fuel mileage? Well, and and what's what's? I mean, I to me the other advantage of doing overhead is at least you're looking at you're looking at the cams. You're looking, you know, you might catch a potential problem. Well, Ray, I I have to tell you, you just reminded me of something, but I wish you would have reminded me two weeks ago. I was just thinking about this that you know this cat in my at my coat. It's got 180,000 miles on it, but I I'm pretty well. No, I'm positive. It's never had an overhead because when I bought it, it only had 23000 on it. And I've never done one because it's so damn hard to get in there, but they just had my whole bedroom torn apart for that leak. I should have had them do the overhead while we were there. Damn it. Thanks for reminding uh, me, though. <laughs> it's too late. <laughs> I know. I can't believe I didn't think of that. I guess i got too much going they- on right now. You'd think they'd make an access panel, make that easier to get to. Oh, well, you know, you really can't. Um, There's a king-size bed right over it. So there's a whole bunch of structure that has to be there to support the bed, and that is actually one of the slide-outs. So you have all your slide mechanisms right there, too. So I I don't even know if they could have designed an access panel. And the access panel is you got to take the entire bedroom apart. Yeah, it's not as easy as cutting a hole in a Chevy to change the fuel pump. (laughs) No, and and honestly, it's got, uh, you know, a memory foam mattress on it. And those things, I swear, they weigh about 1,000 pounds. Um, I, I tried to get one, just get the mattress out of the bedroom once by myself. I thought I was going to have to call 911 before I was done. <laughs> well, hey, thank you guys. Uh, that's the questions I had. Uh, if I'm going to do that, and uh, and we're and you know, and, and we need to inspect the the uh, main bearings anyway, have that oil pan off. I might as well do the structure at the same time. Yes. Um, my next question was, is later, if I do all of that, and later I start using oil, does all that have to come apart to do an in-frame? No, so when we do an in-frame, we don't do anything with the front structure. Okay, so great. the rad so, comes out, the cams come out the front, and you pull the head and, and do the in-frame, but the front structure will still be on. Great, great. So if I do all of that, then I'm still good later on doing an in-frame when, when, when it needs Yeah, you're not doing work twice. All right, excellent. And and uh, the front structure, I think I might have a small little oil leak right there. I I I think the compressor kind of bolts on or is part of that front structure, correct? Yes. 
So all that stuff okay. that's bolted to the front um, structure needs to come off. Right. So so that'll if I got a little oil leak at the compressor, that'll fix that too. We'll put new gaskets there. Yes. Yes. All right. Excellent. Thank you for you guys' information and. And I'm going to do a couple more samples at a 15,000 mile, just to keep watching it here, and then I'm going to have to make a an appointment. Sounds good. So much appreciated. All right. Thanks for the call. We uh, of course now, as we're getting close to the end of the show, the calls are flying in. So uh, let's jump on something. We're going to head off to Michigan this time. Eve, welcome to the program. How you guys doing? Doing good. What can we help you with today? Well, my fuel economy tanked about a couple months ago, and uh, I'm having issues. I got a DD13, about 820,000 miles on it, and uh, I use your fuel mileage uh, gauge, and uh, I'm getting about 5.6 miles to the gallon on a 30-day average. And what was it before the problem started? I was 7.3. Ouch. This is a much bigger drop than we would expect from just about anything. Could one of the factors, we just want to start to narrow it down because this is a big drop, could one of the factors just be winter fuel and winter weather? It's not the whole thing. We know that. Unless, Unless it could actually be the whole thing if you went from, you know, normal kind of fall weather, and then somehow you've just been in pretty extreme cold and, you know, bad road conditions, slushy, windy, all that winter stuff. If you've been driving in that a lot, like more than half of all the time you're Not on the road. Winter. Not okay. this winter. I've been staying away from that. I'm out of Texas. Okay. Uh, so. So we can probably assume, no, not even assume. I can tell you that probably half a mile per gallon was weather and winter fuel related, but not much more than that. So let's, let's make a little adjustment there. So really, let's say if it wasn't for winter, you might be at 6.1 instead of 5.6. 7.3 to 6.1 is still a big drop that we have to try to figure out. So, has what about the overhead? Any, yeah, it, it was probably, done. It, it, okay. it got checked. Yeah, it was done. It was checked. Uh, one thing that my mechanic noticed when we took it for a test drive, climbing a overpass with an empty drive in, I maxed out on my torque. Oh, something's really wrong. You shouldn't be doing that on a little overpass. Uh, what about have you checked the charge air system for leaks? Yes, and that was checked. I had no leaks. Did you check it from the turbo to the intake or just the cooler? Just the cooler. Yeah, we find the majority of the leaks are other than just the cooler. So you want to pressurize it at the turbo. Well, it, it's coming from that behind uh, the turbo. Yeah, yeah, I'm disconnected from the turbo. That way, I'm testing the uh, all the clamps and all the uh, the fittings uh, but, at the turbo point. So, but the so turbo is not part still, of the test. You can still have a leak from the turbo back to the intake, back to the air cleaner. Okay. okay. 
So the whole What about the one box? What kind of conditions your one box in? Is as old as a truck. Uh it's 800,000 miles. It, it, it's a bit Yeah, I know. Time. But it's been it, it, it's been uh uh how can I say doing its job. Uh, I, I believe you, I'm I, running rich. I, I believe I'm running rich because my depth consumption also went up. So, you know, if I'm running rich, I got more smoke going through the exhaust. Therefore, are you I, running our max mileage catalyst? Yes, I yes I am. And as soon as I stopped, I went forty. I put forty gallons one day. I said I'm not going to worry about it. I started having issues. Oh boy. So I, I cannot stop using the max mileage because of, of what's going on. The dealer told me that I'm overextending all my uh, injectors. I got no engine light, no codes, nothing. Hey, hey, um, Eve, when has any – do you have an EGR gauge on this truck? Yeah, EGR gauge. Uh, no. Uh, I got it on your. Uh, I got it on your. Uh... The scan gauge. Yeah. The problem is, it sounds to me like you haven't been checking it regularly. So, in order for for us to use that gauge, you kind of have to know what it was doing all the time before and what it's doing now. Because if we have a right. fuel problem, if we're not getting enough fuel, you should see your EGTs go down quite a bit. You said though you think you're getting too much fuel. You said it, it seems like it's it's rich, which doesn't really apply to a it diesel. It seems like it's foggy. It, it seems like. What it's about fog. the air filter? Have you changed the air filter recently? I got the fleet air filter and I clean it on a regular basis. Okay. So here's when, here's where I when, here, go ahead. Here's where I think we are. I think we've ruled out mechanical stuff. That's usually easy to find. It, like you said, the overhead's been done, air filter's been cleaned, charger cooler's been checked. That's kind of the, the mechanical, physical stuff. So, Ethan, I think it's time for you to jump in here and help out. Yeah, I would want to do a road test and take a log and see what's going on because just to make sure some sensor hasn't failed in range or gets stuck, and make forcing the engine to think it's something, you know, a condition that it's not in. Um, and the only way to do that is to take a log of it and then look and see what's going on. Um, another good thing to do is, I know it, it seems like it's making the right power and everything. It doesn't sound like it's low power, but running it on the dyno is never a bad thing either. I, I was planning to be at your place on the 21st of last month, and something came up, and I had to cancel my appointment. So I'm trying to get that back scheduled up. But I know you guys are like three months south at this point. But not for a problem like yours. To get on a dyno and to have one of the electrical engineers work on it, we can usually get you in within a couple of days. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. You know, hey, the hey, fact hey. that you lost fuel mileage and you're using more depth tells us we're, we're not running efficiently. Because generally, yeah, right. death consumption is proportionate to how much you pollute. Um, you're going to pollute more when you're not efficient. So yeah, it, to drop that high should be fairly easy to find. Uh, if a guy loses two or three tenths, that could be really hard to find. But the right. amount of fuel mileage you dropped, even with the conditions of winter weather and stuff, 
it should be pretty easy to find. I mean, that's a huge drop. Because I used my turbo used to, to climb at 32, 33 and maintain. And I would always drop drop it down because, listen to you guys, you never recommend running constantly at that high. And now, I, I saw it this morning, it went up to 32, 33, and then it dropped by itself and I couldn't reach it again. So the turbo is not reaching uh, where it used to do. So you're not getting... So you're lower boost. on boost. So you've lost boost, correct? I lost boost, yes. Okay. So that could be something so going on with the turbo. Be. That's a good... good uh, that you have that gauge because that helps us uh, look into what it could be. Right. Yeah, right. the first thing to do might be to test the system all the way back to the air cleaner because he's tested it to the turbo. Maybe it's just that last little piece we haven't tested yet. Right. So, so if he's losing boost and having to use more throttle, um, on these DD13s and 15s, what is the average injector life? According to Freightliner, I was told it was 650. 650,000 they want you to change injectors? That's what I was told last week. Yeah, they wow. have a short life from what I've heard before. That's not the first time I've heard that statement. Well, so, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of planning between the injectors and the turbo, which one is going to work the be better. Because I know I had issues with a turbo a couple years ago because they, they, put a, I, they put a new turbo on and it was bad. And took them six months to tell me, oh, you got a bad turbo. And I had to go back to the, where I bought it from and get them to replace it. But nobody wanted to diagnose the turbo because, oh, it's a new turbo. Ethan, explain to him how we determine it on the dyno if it's the injectors, how we keep giving it fuel and not see the power go up. Go ahead and explain that. Yeah, so it's one of those tests that we came up with here because, you know, sometimes it can be hard when a truck isn't throwing a code. But um, our idea was let's throw a whole bunch of fuel at it, or at least an amount we know what it should do. So if it's a 500-horsepower engine and it looks low on the dyno, we'll say it only does about 380, and it should be around 440, 430 at the wheels, um, then we take it to like a 600. And if you only gain about 15 horsepower, 20 horsepower, you know right away that hey, the ECM said it metered the fuel, but nothing happened. Um, so it's an indication that the injectors are either weak, the spray pattern's not right. Something in there has become, you know, the efficiency has been lost. Right. I don't, I don't changed, mind doing the you've changed fuel filter. You've changed fuel filter, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. I it depends on the engine. The, yeah, I, I changed that. Uh, as a matter of fact, I changed it uh, right away when I noticed it. And I didn't see no okay. improvement there. I got like okay. four filters on this one or three. I got a lot of filters on this one. Well, I think it's the injectors, but get it on our dyno and uh, we'll know for sure. Sounds good. Well, I'll give you guys a call and uh, schedule an appointment. Okay. Thank you for your time. Tell if you talk to Eric or, or Pete, just tell them you're just coming in for dyno and... Uh, Engineering work, not for mechanical work. That way they can get you right in. Appreciate that. Thank you. 
You're welcome. Thanks for the call. We're going to grab another one. We might be able to get one or two more here. I do have to quit right at the top of the hour. And the next time we do the power hour, we'll uh, we'll all be in, well, um, I'll be with the team that's in Pittsburgh Power, and we'll be doing it live from their location. So uh, looking forward to hanging out with you guys and the engineers and getting to play on all that stuff, and then also looking forward to getting to see everybody else who comes in to Pittsburgh Power. So let's grab a call. Let's go to Oklahoma. Paul, it's your turn. Welcome to the program. Howdy. Um, ISX Cummins, that aftermarket inlet manifold, I don't have that yet, but Will I pick up any fuel mileage if I spend the money to put one of them on? I think you'll gain a quarter to a half. I might want to invest in that since the fuel's gone up a large chunk. So yeah, it might be worth my money. Absolutely. Okay. I'll, I've got to get with Eric and schedule an appointment, but I might add another one to the list. So, yeah, that's all i got today. All right. all right, Paul. That's okay, all thanks. we need. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Georgia this time. Juno, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. I have a question about the catalyst. Sure. I'm go uh, going to be using it. I'm going to be using it in my two-stroke uh, garden equipment. I wanted to know how much I have to use per gallon. One cc per gallon. One cc. You'll need a syringe, like for injecting testosterone or something like that. Uh, a small syringe. You can get them at CVS. Sometimes they give them out for free. Hey, hey, Bruce. When you, when you said that, I just thought of something. Catalyst kind of like testosterone for your engine. That's right. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> Makes it stronger and healthier. Smoother, quieter, cleaner. That's right. Well, I'm no longer using the catalyst in my Jeep because my Jeep got flooded in Canton, North Carolina, so I no longer need it in that one. Yeah, well, yeah, the cat uh, about catalyst, catalyst, pretty amazing yes. stuff, but it's not going to fix that. No, there was about a foot of water above my car. Ouch, ouch, wow. that's so bad. Oh. Somebody someday might even own that car again, and it's going to be a bad idea. Well, yeah, that's the sad I part mean, when those cars get resold. I know, I know. And that's the car I had the best result with using uh, the catalyst. Yeah. So. Hey, you know, has anybody used Carfax lately? Does Carfax tell you if a car's been in a flood? I know that the system we use for trucks, for Class 8 trucks, um, actually would tell us if there was ever an insurance claim for water damage. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't used it. Yeah. I I don't believe it will, um, but it has to be claimed, like you said. If it gets flooded and nobody turns it in, then no. Right, then nobody would ever know. Most of the time, you know, as long as somebody had insurance, it's going to be a total loss. It gets claimed, and then you can – so it's a good idea, especially, you know, in those years where you know we've just had floods three or four months ago. If you're going to buy a used car run it and a used truck. Um, run them both through and find out. 
All right, we're going to grab another call. Let's go to Kentucky this time. Steve, welcome to the program. Thanks, guys, for taking my call. Uh, I got a quick question, hopefully. I got a 1995 uh, Kenworth with a 5EK, and um, it's got a 13 with 390s, and I was thinking it about taking the RPMs down, maybe just changing the, the rears on it. I want to see what y'all thought about it because I'll, let, I'll jump it pulls, the spread. It, pull, it pulls a 48. I pull a 48 foot spread reefer with it, and yeah, I took I'll, notes, I'll Bruce, and it is making like 60 miles an hour in 12th gear, uh, 1500 RPMs, and I think it in 13th it drops down. I think 14. I don't have my notes, but hey, I'm pretty hey, sure that's hey, Steve. right. Steve, yes, before sir. we talk about gearing, let's talk about some other things. And then I'm sure Bruce is going to have some ideas. So tell me a little bit more about the truck. Gear, make, model, engine, transmission, gearing, all the good stuff. The year is a 95 Kenworth W900L. Uh, it's got a 5EK cat, 390 rears with a 13. Okay. Now, tire, we'll tire assume size. it's a double over. Tire size. I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. Tire size? 24, 5, 20, 24 low pro. 24.5. It was on tall rubber in the original, and then I got it off of okay. tall rubber to 24 right. low. So two more questions. What's your average fuel economy right now? 7.2 pin the paper. Damn. And I only, I only go, yeah, and I only run 60, about 60, 62 miles an hour. Awesome. Which is why you're doing so well with this gearing. Let me ask you something else. What modifications have you made to this truck to make it better? Absolutely nothing but my foot lightening up on the okay. accelerator. So here's, here's my advice. And then if somebody else wants to jump in, my advice would be ignore gearing right now. You've already fixed your gearing problem yourself by slowing down, which if this was last year, I might say, well, with these freight rates and low fuel prices, maybe we want to go faster, so let's talk about gearing. But fuel's going through the roof. Rates are on their way down fast, so you could even go from 62 to 55 if you wanted, and you would start making more money with the conditions we're in. So I don't think Yeah, I don't want to get cussed about, out too bad, though. <laughs> and that's okay, but I, I don't want to talk about gearing because – in order for you to change gears right now, it's probably going to cost you five or six grand. If you have five or six grand to spend on, and you're probably only going to pick up three or four tenths, or it's going to let you go a little faster and still get the same fuel economy. That's a lot of money. That's a horrible deal. But what, yeah. if, what if you pulled in, and I'll let Pete and Ethan and Bruce answer this question. What if you pulled into Pittsburgh Power and said, here's $6,000, do everything you can to get me better fuel economy. Forget the gears. That's only one thing and one little change for $6,000. Bruce, Pete, Ethan, what could you do to this truck for $6,000? Well, the first thing on a 5EK, that's the one that has the crankshaft issue, so you put a new torsional damper and mercury engine balancer on it. We could do Second a clear filter. The, we can do a oh, – yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Second is the manifold and turbo. And and we got to look at the mufflers. If it has stock mufflers with baffles, we got to put our quiet performance straight through muffler on it. Yeah, it's got seven inch straights on it, so 
Okay, so forget the muffler. So you're okay there. How tall are the stacks? Are they much They're taller tall than the reefer? Yes, sir. Cut them down. Are, are the stacks at 13.6? Yes, sir. Well, they're about 12. Just... Yeah, they're about 12 something. I think I, when I measured them, just by, I think they was like nine foot until you get them on the tractor. But... Okay, all right. Uh, it would be the manifold turbo damper and balancer and look at the ECM program. That's what I would be doing. I still okay. like that setup, though, with the 264s, Kevin. I, I, I know. I Bruce, still but, like that. But, but hold on. Well, I was I looking at the 390. Like, That's the only reason why I was asking. Yeah. Bruce, you know I love those gears. But it just comes mm -hmm. down to money. Pete, work with me here. If If we go through <laughs> everything you have in that shop, so Bruce already talked about, Damper, balancer, um, we got to go through, set the overhead, check the charger, cooler, all that stuff. That should be done, too. Uh, manifold, um, ECM programming, fleet air filter, fast fuel system. We could switch the synthetic oil and put an OPS on it. Um, probably a couple other things I'm not even thinking about in there yet. And I have a feeling we could still stay under six grand, couldn't we? Right. We we could do a lot more work that's going to benefit him uh, in, in performance and fuel mileage for the same amount of money. I mean, he's not going to gain any performance with the, the gear change. And I think we'd gain a lot more fuel mileage. Like I said, he's going to pick up a couple of tenths with the gear ratio change. Um, but, you know, we, you know the, the program alone, I mean, some guys will pick up three, three to five tenths just on a program alone. And then we do the turbo and the manifold. And those three are like the big three when it comes to fuel mileage on a cat. So I wouldn't have those three together to do three quarters to a mile to gun gain with those yep. changes. And far more affordable than uh, changing the rear ends. So I wouldn't have to change the injectors at all? No. With it. Okay. Okay. Nope. Well, I, value I don't think you have any injector problem problems with that kind of fuel mileage. I mean, it, it seems like all that's good. I mean, you're doing phenomenal fuel mileage with what you have. Yeah, well, I just thought about maybe if I change the rear ends on it and the lower, lower the RPMs on it, maybe it should do better. Just, Steve, yes, sir. Let, me, let me answer you. It will do better. It will. Bruce is right. You'll get two to three tenths, no doubt. But $6,000 for two to three tenths or first $6,000 for a full mile to a mile and a half improvement. The same price, five times the return. Then when right, you're I'm getting more bang for that, my book. I understand. Yeah, okay. and, now here, and now then when you're done with that, go drive the truck for six months with a mile and a half improvement in fuel economy, and six months at today's fuel price would save you Double what it's going to cost to do the gears. Okay. Fair so enough. Do the, I might pick out the, the keys at Louisville. Yeah, so drive it into Pittsburgh Power, throw them the keys and a blank check, and say up to $6,000, do everything you can. You'll walk out with a mile to a mile and a half better, and then just schedule it for six months from now and say, I'm going to come back and have you do the rear ends then. How about I just pitch the keys to them at Louisville, let the truck show, and let them take it on? <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I appreciate that, you. I appreciate y'all, man. That, that'll work. Does that me. all make sense? Yeah, it does. It does. And like I said, I okay. see you guys in Louisville, so I appreciate it. I like that. I value everything you 
y'all talk about and I'm a loyal listener, so I, I value everything y'all say. So Thank you. Thank you. We appreciate the support. And with that, we ended right on the dot at 12 o'clock. So i got to wrap this up. Um, just know, real soon, we'll be getting this show back. It, probably next Tuesday, we'll do two hours. The only reason I'm not today is just because i got to get out of here and start working on this thing. So I can get over to Pittsburgh Power. So next week, we'll be doing it from there, and we'll do two hours. So uh, anything anybody wants to wrap up with, the nice thing about this show is I'm not watching a clock. So if anybody wants to wrap something up, go ahead. You know, it was nice with that customer with, with the attitude of, hey, what else can we do? And he doesn't, um, you know, argue the point with us. We're giving advice. He's I, taking it. He's already getting good fuel mileage, which tells us he's a good driver, and that's important. So no matter what we do, if you're not a good driver, you're not going to get fuel mileage. You know, and I like the yeah. attitude of like, hey, here's the keys. You you might have to drive it home though, Kevin. I'm that, driving the yeah, pickup back home, so you might I, have to drive his truck I, home. Yeah, I was thinking I'd have fun driving his truck. All I have to do is get somebody to drive my coach, and that should be. Oh, hard, you got the coach so. down here. I forgot about that. Yeah, that's all right. I can, I'm sure I can get somebody to take it back so I can drive the truck. But I like so that I, I wanna, Here's the keys. Yeah, I want to. That that really is a, a good way to look at that. You know, he called for our advice. We gave him the advice. Gave him a couple options, and he said, "Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. Let's do." It. And I got to tell you, when he gave me the specs. I was expecting to hear his fuel mileage was five and a half. Yeah, me too. I thought it was sure. going to be a five and a half mile. When he said 7.2, I almost fell over. That's awesome. With no modifications and and kind of poor gearing. But he figured out the only thing he could do to fix his gearing problem, and he did it. He slowed down. And he had the information. He wasn't guessing like some of our guys right. do. He knew exactly right. what he got, which is nice to... Yeah, someone's he's awesome. paying attention. Exactly. Yeah, good stuff. All right, anybody else have anything they want to wrap up with? Hey, does inner city lines haul motorcycles, Kevin, or are they a car hauler? They, I don't know if they would do a motorcycle. I, I was actually really familiar with that company a long time ago. Like when I first started, I, I think I met the, I did, I met this couple at an event somewhere. Uh, they worked for inner city lines for like 30 years um, by the time, you know, it was all said and done. It was a husband and wife. They were probably one of, at the time, they were one of the most successful team owner operators I had ever seen, man. They were making a ton of money with them back then. A great company. They loved it. But I don't know if they do motorcycles or not. They do a lot of really custom cars with enclosed trailers and a lot of that stuff okay all right thank you you're welcome ethan anything to wrap up nope not for today got it all right well uh i'll be seeing you guys if not tonight uh hey bruce um what do i do if i get there and nobody's there just pull in the back make yourself at home okay um pete's going to take you over to and get you my car so you have a car to use. Which one? It's going to be the <laughs> A8L, the 2013 well, A8L. Well, I have um, to ask has, you, has some pretty exciting cars. Hey, wait a minute. I have one more question. How fast does that one go? That's the one that Pete had going 132 on the Ohio Turnpike. <laughs> 
There we go. It was pretty fast. Right. Pretty I'll fast. Pass. Yes, that's pretty damn fast. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It only has 38 or 40,000 miles on it, so. Oh, okay. All right, so just pull around back. So you may wake up, and I might be there tomorrow, or I might roll in tomorrow afternoon sometime. I'm not sure yet. Okay. Yeah, there's no gate, right. so not a problem. Okay. Yeah, I thought I remembered there wasn't. So, all right. So uh, we're going to wrap this up. I got to get rolling, and uh, if I can get enough things done, I'll probably be in there tonight. I'm only an hour and forty-five minutes away. So, we'll uh, we will see you back here tomorrow. It's Wednesday, but it is uh, maybe I'll do a destination health hour. We'll see. Uh, if not, it'll be a free for all. Um, We'll probably just do a free-for-all, and we'll get a ton of health questions anyway. So, all right, we will see you then. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.